join me in our responsive reading as we light the third candle of Advent, which is the candle of joy. There's a responsive reading that's printed in your worship folder. Jesus is coming. Shout for joy. In a world that finds pleasure in the abundance of material possessions, we find our true joy in Jesus Christ. We take joy this Christmas season as we look forward to his glorious return, when he will set us free from this godless age. Joy to the world is the message of this season. May we experience the joy of God as we wait for Christ to return. And a lot of you are already over here, but uh, others, we want you to come over here where you can be a part of the children's message today for you. So if you want to come over this way, some of you can sit on the floor if you need to. Also, we want to remind those that we had 19 boys and girls at our Christmas party Friday night. That is a record for CBC. And uh, those, we finished a craft where we were doing uh, plates, which are really cool, but they didn't get dry enough Friday they are ready and they're here today on the table. So as you go out, if you've got one of those, you can find your name on there. And parents, it tells you this is not a plate to eat on. Uh, this is not uh, something you can do that. But it's nice decoration because your kids' pictures on there and that kind of thing. So if y'all can pick those up on the way out today, uh, that will be great. They are here and they'll be ready for you. We thank for their Crit Children's Advisory Team. Fantastic job on getting all that together this last Friday. Good morning. Big group of people. I knew there'd be a lot of y'all here today because you're singing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that. But right before y'all are singing, we've already been singing, I guess, but I get to talk to you a little bit today. So I bet if you all are like me or I'm like you all, that we are sharing something in common that we really, really like right now. What, what time of year is it? 
about a week until Christmas, a week and counting down. That's a big, big, big time of year. But this time of year can have a tendency to get awfully, awfully busy. You know, with shopping and wrapping and making cookies and dressing up and going to parties and coming to Christmas programs and singing in choral events. I mean, it gets crazy. Sometimes it feels like we're on the go, go, go. Doesn't it feel like it's busy time of year? It's very busy time of year. Well, Pastor Tim today is going to be talking about being patient. So I want you to listen for just a minute while I talk to you about a couple of things. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. We've been talking about Advent as a time for preparing for the coming of Christ. And today in particular, we've been singing about it in a song we just sang about. We're singing about joy. So the theme for today is joy. And God gave us the greatest gift of joy, which was Jesus, his son and our savior. So I've got something to show and tell you about today. And I'm sure you know what this is, but let's just check you out, see if you know what it is. What is this? What is that? A cookie? No, it's not a cookie. It's the what? It's where baby Jesus sleeps? Yeah, that is very true. That is the correct answer. What is that called, where the baby Jesus sleeps? The manger. And you know what a manger was really used for? What was, it wasn't really a bed, you know, like we sleep in a bed. What was the manger really used for? Feeding cattle, among other things. So our Savior and Redeemer was born in a manger that was for feeding cattle. Um, that is actually what, what this is. And there's something about this, though, that is missing. Baby Jesus is missing. You know, that's what happens this time of year. Many, many times is we get so busy doing all these things, we forget about baby Jesus. And really, we should be keeping baby Jesus as close to our heart as we can. That's really what the season is all about, is this little baby in this little manger coming to us to be our Savior. And that's really what Christmas is, is all about. So sometimes in all this busyness, we need to take time to be still. Jerry? 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 Hello, Jerry. Hey, can you listen to me for one minute? One minute. That's all I ask. One minute, my attention, and then you can, you can go back, okay? So hold up. So this is what this time of year is about, is... Jesus and baby Jesus. So when we are so, so busy that we forget about Jesus, we're really, our hearts and our minds are in the wrong place. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me for three minutes right now, which will help to prepare us for the coming of Jesus. And I want us to listen to one of my favorite times of the year of the, of the things for the, of this time of year, which are carols. I want us to close our eyes, the adults too, for three minutes. We're going to listen to a song and we're going to meditate and thank God for really sending Christ Jesus to us. And I'll close this with a prayer. Mike, please.
We thank you for these children, and we thank you for this blessed, special time of the year and for sending your son for us. Help keep us patient still so that we can listen to you, look for you, and be your blessing to others. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this Sunday to remember and to worship you for what you have given to us, your own dear Son, who came, as he said, to be born in a place for cattle and in a place where they should be fed. And we ourselves are, think of ourselves as needing the best and deserving the best. You gave to us the best. And we thank you. And we pray that his name will be glorified everywhere. In his name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much, children, for leading us in worship. What a wonder, what wonderful songs that you sang, and you did it so well, and I really thank you for that. That was a great, great presentation. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, and uh, reading from verse 2 through verse 11. When John the Baptist heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before me. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Back in 1926, one of the weirdest auctions in history took place in Washington, D.C., where 150,000 patented models of old inventions were declared obsolete and placed on the auction block for public sale. Prospective buyers and onlookers could not help but to chuckle as item after item was put up for bid, things such as a bed bug buster or an illuminated cat that was designed to scare away mice. And then there was the device to prevent snoring, which consisted of a trumpet that reached from the mouth to the ear. It was designed to wake up the snorer and not the neighbors. And then there was the adjustable pulpit that could be raised or lowered according to the preacher's height. Needless to say, this auction of old patent models was worth at least 150,000 laughs. However, I imagine that, that if we were to look deeper into this situation, we would discover that these 150,000 old patent models also uh, um, represented 150,000 broken dreams. They represented a mountain of disappointment. Now, it may not seem that appropriate to talk about broken dreams and disappointments when it is this close to Christmas. I mean, after all, this is the season to be jolly, But the fact of the matter is that it is not all that jolly for everyone, is it? In fact, for those who have lost loved ones, this can be the loneliest time of the year. And in a world that glorifies materialism and consumerism, those who are struggling with financial issues may find it to be a most disappointing time of the year. 
But our friend John the Baptist also knew about disappointment. In our text for today, John was in prison and he was looking for a sign, a sign that the long awaited Messiah had really arrived. And and I don't know about you, but I find that to be a little bit disturbing, because if you remember our lesson from last week, uh, the the message that I brought last week, John was the, the one who first proclaimed the coming of the Messiah and identified Christ as being that Messiah. But a lot has taken place to John, a lot has happened to John since we last saw him preaching and baptizing out in the wilderness. And now it seems that his heart has been cast down and he's 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 concerned. You will remember John's message from last week's service. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was a message that that burned within John's soul. And and John was not afraid to proclaim this message to anyone and everyone, even to the religious leaders and royalty alike. He wasn't even afraid to proclaim to King Herod himself. And that's why he ended up in prison. Now, this was not the same King Herod who was the ruler of Israel during the time of Jesus' birth. This was his son, Herod Antipas, who turned out to be even worse than his father was. And what happened was that Herod Antipas seduced his brother's wife and later married her, but not before having his brother killed. And the nation was appalled. And so John the Baptist publicly condemned the king's behavior And was placed in prison because of it. And while John was in prison, John realized that his career as a prophet was over. And indeed, his very life would soon be over. And so there was there was one thing that John wanted to know before he died. John wanted to know beyond a shadow of a doubt if Jesus really was the Messiah or not. And you can't really blame him, can you? He had given everything he had, including in a matter of days, his very life. And he wanted to know, has it all been in vain? Is it all an illusion, a dream? Out in the wilderness, John had believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. But now in the face of certain death, he seems to be having some doubts. And so he wanted to know for sure. And so he he sent some of his followers to find Jesus and to ask him this question. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect another? It seems that John the Baptist found himself in a disappointing and disheartening predicament. Because you see, things were not working out the way John had expected them to work out. And sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? It's called disappointment, particularly at Christmas time. You know, it's not an easy time of the year. Greg was mentioning this a few moments ago about it being such a hectic, busy time of the year. I've talked with several just this morning about how hectic it is and how hard it is to get through this time of the year. A few years back, there was a a haunting country song with a line that said, If we make it through Christmas, everything's going to be all right. I know it's the coldest time of winter, and I shiver when I see the falling snow. And I imagine that some of you probably know the meaning of those words. If I can just make it 
through December. And though we do not know what time of the year this scene takes place in the Bible, it was certainly a kind of December for John's soul because he was hurting. He was hurting in Herod's prison, both physically and emotionally. And he was gripped with disappointment because he had different expectations of what a Messiah would do. Folks, just like all of us, John was a product of his time. And he expected the same kind of Messiah that everybody else expected. He expected a Messiah who would come and drive out those hated Romans and establish the kingdom of God in Israel. And so while languishing in prison, John must have wondered, why wasn't more happening? What was he waiting for? He must have thought to himself time and time again, why doesn't he drive those Roman dogs out? So you see, John was disappointed because of his faulty expectations. And that can happen to all of us, can't it? Leo Biscalgia learned about that kind of disappointment when he was a teenager. He says, I remember the sudden appearance under my family's Christmas tree of the largest present I ever hoped to see. It stood at least a foot taller than all of the rest and was twice as heavy. And wonder of wonders, it had my name on it. For two whole weeks before Christmas, this present towered above all of the others and it defied any conventional attempts to discover what it contained. During those weeks leading up to Christmas, he could think of nothing else but that present under the Christmas tree. He imagined all sorts of wonderful gifts, wonderful presents. And then on Christmas Day, his family gathered together and the main attraction was to be the opening of my present. Escalgia remembered how many times in the past two weeks had I anticipated this moment. But even as I was opening it, I remembered experiencing a vague sense of disappointment. The great mystery was about to end, and I would no longer be able to engage in my soaring dreams. Well, the present turned out to be a beautiful handmade desk that his uncle had built. But by this time, nothing of this world could have satisfied my expectations, he said. I can't imagine what I had expected, yet still in that disappointment was a lesson which would last a lifetime. Now, let's analyze that for just a moment, folks. It seems that sometimes we are disappointed, not because what we receive is bad, but because what we expect is so different. And I'm sure that there are There are people in this very room today who somehow feel that life has cheated you. But I can guarantee you that if you lost everything that you have right here and right now, and then suddenly had it all restored to you, you would be exceedingly grateful. And so the problem is not what we have, but what we expect. John the Baptist expected the Messiah to come by storm. But but nothing much seemed to be happening. But it was not Jesus who was at fault. Jesus was doing all that Jesus was supposed to be doing. It was John's expectations that were faulty. 
And that's the first reason that he was he was uh, gripped by disappointment. Second reason John was disappointed was that he was looking for all the wrong signs. The followers of John caught up with Jesus and they asked him the question that John had asked them to ask. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? But look at how Jesus answered that question. He said, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news brought to them. In other words, the day of the Lord has arrived. All of this is evidence that God's kingdom has begun. Just look around you, Jesus told them. Look at what's happening. Centuries before, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about what would take place when the Messiah would come. And, and Isaiah said, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer. But those weren't the kinds of signs that John was looking for. He was looking for something more dramatic. He was looking for the, the thunder and the lightning. But so often that's not God's way, is it? For the most part, God chooses to work in the little insignificant places like a manger or like a carpenter shop, like a cross. So John was disappointed because he was looking for the wrong kind of sign. And then finally, John was also disappointed because he didn't give God time. He was impatient. John wanted action and he wanted it. Now, and we can understand that, can't we? And especially in light of his current situation, he was in prison. He probably wouldn't be alive much longer. He he was anxious to know what the future held. But God takes God's sweet time. I mean, after all, God has been working in this world for a 100,000 years. But God's purpose is just as sure today as it was in the beginning. And God's plan is just just as unstoppable, even even in those times when it seems that nothing is happening. God is at work. Lincoln Steffens remembers one Christmas while growing up as a child when he wanted a pony more than anything else in the world. I prayed and I hoped that I would get a pony, he wrote. My good sisters, to to comfort me, remarked that Christmas was coming, but Christmas was always coming, and grown-ups were always talking about it, asking you what you wanted. His parents played games with him, asking him what he wanted for Christmas, and he told them, all I want is a pony. If I can't have a pony, don't give me anything. Nothing. So Christmas Day arrived, and the children were up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and At first, they were overwhelmed by all of the presents. My sisters knelt down by each by her pile of gifts, and they were squealing in delight until they looked up and saw me standing there in my pajamas with nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. The young boy didn't get the pony he wanted more than anything else for Christmas. So his his sisters joined him in his agony, running back to their rooms crying. And he refused to eat anything. He was too upset. He went out to the stable and 
His mother came out to try to comfort him. He noticed his father watching him from the window for a couple of hours, and this was his worst Christmas ever. Not one single present. And then he noticed a man riding a pony down the street. A pony with a brand new saddle, and it was a boy's saddle. The man was reading the numbers on the houses, and, and Lincoln remembers he, he looked at our door, and it just passed right on by. Well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He flung himself down onto the ground, and he began to cry uncontrollably. And then the stranger looked at him and asked, Say, kid, do you know a boy named Lenny Steffens? And he spluttered through his tears, Yes, that's me. And the man said, well, then this is your horse. I've been looking all over the place for you. (laughs) The man told Lenny his excuses for being so late, but the boy never heard them. I could scarcely wait, he said. And before too long, he was riding his new pony up and down the street. And to this day, he still is not sure if that was his best Christmas ever or his worst. (laughs) But let's think about that. The pony was always coming. It was coming. But it was Lenny's impatience and his uncertainty that drove him to the brink of despair. And most of us have probably been there as well, haven't we? Because God doesn't work according to our time schedule. Instead, God works according to God's time schedule. And sometimes God doesn't appear to be working at all, but we know that that's not true. God is always working. So I guess the question I have for you this morning is this. Is your life filled with disappointments because you have unrealistic expectations? Are you looking in all the wrong places to find your happiness? Or have you learned to wait for the Lord with patience? Kindergarten teacher carefully lined up four little cherubs, in quotation marks, for the annual Christmas program. And each child carried a huge cutout letter. And and as they stood side by side, the letters would spell out the word, Star, But there was a slight mix-up that occurred, and those attending the church service that evening nearly fell out of their pews as these four little performers took their place in reverse order, spelling out the word rats instead of the word star. I guess that's what happens to us when we get our priorities out of order. But I believe that Bethlehem teaches us something about our expectations and about signs and about patience. For you see, God begins with a simple little babe in his humble surroundings in a manger surrounded by farm animals and lowly shepherds. And then God works slowly but surely. And often we become impatient with the way God works. 
But rest assured, my friends, God is at work. So let us not lose hope. Let us be patient. Let us wait for the Lord. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, number 405, Have Faith in God. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to this Christ child. And, and perhaps life has not been treating you the way you expected it. Maybe things aren't turning out the way that you had hoped they would in your life. And you need this Christ child to give you strength, the Spirit of God to give you what you need to make it one day to the next. It is this child that can do that. And we invite you to make that commitment to Christ this morning. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church today as we worship this Christ child and as we take strength from the spirit that Christ puts within our hearts, the spirit that lives within us. If God's living in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing together. Have faith in God. Would you come? What a wonderful way to express what I've been talking about today. Have faith in God. He's on His throne and He watches over His own. And that is true. God is always watching over us whether we realize His presence or not. And so that's a great message for us to take away today. But before we do, we have someone to present for membership of Community Baptist Church. And that is Valeda Barber. 
Uh, Valeda has been attending our church for a, a couple of months now, and, uh, uh, and we are glad that she has come. And uh, she would like to unite with our church, transferring her membership from a sister church. And so if you would uh, uh, accept her and, and join me in, in welcoming her to Community Baptist Church, would you do so by raising your hand and saying, Amen. 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 Belayda, we are so happy that you are officially a member of our church. I spoke with Belayda this week, and she expressed a desire to really be a part of our community of faith here at Community Baptist, and she wants um, she wants us to minister to her. And as I tell everybody who joins the church, it's a two-way street, and so we're looking forward to the ministry that we have to offer to you, but we're also looking forward to the ministry that you offer to us and to this community because that's what family does, and we are family. So we welcome you, and we're glad that you're here. And I know that you'll want to come by and speak with Valeda after the worship service and, and welcome her to Community Baptist Church. Let's bow for our benediction. Oh God, as we go from this place, may we go with the spirit of joy in our hearts. May we go knowing that you have come to this earth to redeem us from those things in our lives that keep us from being the people that you want us to be. May we go into this world with that joy and a desire to share that joy with the people around us. And may we go with the patience of God that you have given to us, knowing that things may not work out on our own time schedule but help us to take comfort, O oh God, that you are with us. May we go in the peace and the love and the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen.